let me let me straddle the table yeah. so I'm comfortable. Exactly. See, I'm sitting cross-legged. You're so weird. Your therapist can suck my balls. <laughs> I sit at work. My my chair is a, a smaller office chair than this one, and I sit cross-legged in that. And a lot of people have been like, "How do you even do that?" It's just so <laughs> weird. Like you have a you have an office chair. Yes. And you're still cross-legged in it. Like they're yeah. not meant for that. Why? It's more comfortable because my ass is so small. When I sit cross-legged, it's like having an actual size ass. So when you so, sit cross-legged for that long, do you not like make your ankles go numb? Because mine oh, no, go numb after no, like five minutes. I, I mean, not after five minutes. It's like 45 minutes I go numb. Mm. But it's like having an, uh, a, a properly sized ass now. I'm touching more of the cushion. I don't like it. Makes me uncomfy. As I'm straddling a table. And yet your therapist called me an asshole for asking questions. Uh, we went to couples therapy this week. Good. I meant you and me. <laughs> Why the fuck else would you see my therapist? No, I was saying you and your therapist went to couples therapy this week. <laughs> uh, yeah, we did. We did. <laughs> we did. Speaking of couples therapy. I'm probably not going to use any of that. Just to keep your therapist's... Um, Persona private, I guess. <laughs> I need to protect his business. <laughs> it's not like he's doing it by talking to me all the time. Uh, uh, speaking of couples therapy, uh, we spent the last week. I just said I'm not going to use any of that. <laughs> I don't know how to lead into it. <laughs> Batman. Cold cut. <laughs> this week. Continue. Uh, we, we read a Batman book. This has never happened on this podcast. Wow. Welcome back to Dime Comic Bros Podcast. Yeah, that too. Oh, yeah, the intro. Ah. Oh, my gosh. Dude, we don't get new listeners. True. <laughs> we really don't. I, I was going to argue, but no, there's no point in that. <laughs> no, it, like, went up a little, it stagnated, it went up a little, and, like, we're just kind of chilling. And then it It's just your mom and my dad, basically. Yeah, pretty much. And Jeff. Yeah, and Jeff. <laughs> my dad. You're right. Uh, this past... Uh, well, I'm, I'm Spencer, by Thank the way. Thank you. Yeah, I'm yeah, Jacob. yeah, shut up. I am Jacob. Uh, we are your hosts. Colin was fired. He sucks balls, and we found out about it, and we said, you're fired. And he's like, all right, cool. More time to suck balls. And he left. Uh, yes. Most accurate retelling of a story I've ever heard out of your mouth. <laughs> uh, Colin is working on a couple of his art projects right now, particularly oh, yeah. of... Particularly a fairly large comic that he wants to get printed in, like, four or five months from now. Something like that. So he has a lot of work ahead of him, so he has dipped out of his duties here. Uh, we did he fire him, though. dipped out like a dipshit. And he does actually suck balls, though. So I know. So that part is true. <laughs> so uh, if you want to go support him, I'm, I have all of his stuff linked all over our stuff, because give him your money or whatever. He does fun stuff Give when he's not with us. Give him your money so that he can do the thing he's trying to do and then come back to the show Thank and provide you. the autistic energy that we are missing. That's true. I, we feel are, like I, I feel like I've kicked it up a notch, We though. are so heavily compensating for his autistic energy that comes so naturally. It does. Definitely. We've definitely yeah. pumped it up to like 115%. Yeah, but uh, it's just not the same. No, particularly it's, after we just spent... synthetic oh, autistic energy compared to his natural <laughs> autistic energy. I feel energy. like we're more like a blend, you know, like 50-50 synth organic, <laughs> you know? Uh, it's cheaper than going full synthetic. Is it though? Yes. Full synthetic, oh, yeah. full synthetic no, no, no. is like ha 80 having, bucks. Having his natural energy is cheaper than having the synthetic energy. Ah, is it though? Yeah, that's what. I, I Are you that, sure? I think that's what you were just saying. I was talking about oil changes, but you know. No, who said oil? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't really have to crank up our our special energy right now because we've spent the past eight days in a row, like almost entirely together. So almost. There almost. was last night where your wife came over, but my wife. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. 
So Batman. Batman. Can he beat God? Yes. The answer is yes. Um, is it God though? It's the God of Gotham. Squiggly boy. Big, big, big squiddy. Tentacle porn monster guy. So we read the doom that came to Gotham. Finally, I yes. think we went to talk about this at the beginning of this show, and it just kind of fell off the table, along with Craven's Last Hunt. <laughs> Four years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Um, and we talked about the movie adaptation a couple months ago. We will never do Craven's Last Hunt. You will be like, let's do it next week, and I won't show up next week. It'll You'll just be you. You will fake your own and death to get out of And then I'll delete you. <laughs> you would. It's a good book! I know! Ah! I read it! <laughs> uh... So, uh, Batman the Doom that came to Gotham uh, is a three-issue miniseries published in the in the year 2000 and 2001 under the Elseworlds imprint. This was like the third Elseworlds book after Gotham by Gaslight and some other ones. By the way. Another Batman book with Mike Mignola involved. Elseworlds is coming back, baby. Ah, uh, he's dead joke out, baby. Yeah, Elseworlds is back. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. We're going to have some fat fucking news, man. There's been a lot lately. You've claimed that before. I have. And then but we've at first, Newsweek. <laughs> I know. And there's still plenty of that that I'm going to keep because there's a lot of pretty... It means I can thin the herd of a lot of smaller stuff. Wow. But there's been a lot of announcements. So we have a lot to talk about in a couple of weeks when there's even more announcements. Um, it's written by Mike Bignola and Richard pace uh with pencils by troy nixie and inks by dennis junkie i have no idea how to say okay uh what country is Return he from he's Junke. from cleveland so i don't That's know not a country it's a fake state um <laughs> uh with, with mignola providing covers uh, it takes place in the 20s with Batman fighting back against a mystical and supernatural forces entering Gotham's butthole beyond his comprehension, but also it's a big squid monster. We are an educational podcast. This is where our listeners learn that Cleveland is a false state. So is Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> and Iowa. It's all corn. It doesn't exist. It's fake. It's fake. Anyway, Doom coomed to Gotham. This is like the most Lovecraft Batman story um, because Mike Mignola likes his big space squids. Um, a lot of reviews had been pretty passive on this book. And uh, we watched the movie and reviewed it last year, maybe? I think it was a couple months ago. And uh, we loved it. We were like, wow, that's so much better than the book. And then you reread the book and I read the book for the first time. And... It was surprisingly close. Yeah, it's weird because the Wikipedia article actually says loosely adapted. And it's like pretty much only up until the third act. Like there's a couple of key changes. Even then. Like, it's just kind of expanded on. Like the yeah. tone's a bit different, but like it's just expanded. It doesn't really, it's not like structurally changed that much. A long, long time ago, like four episodes into the show, maybe. <laughs> That's a guess. Um, we were recording in Colin's bedroom at his, you know, residence, which was a couple residences ago. And, uh, I was like, oh, I've never read this one. I was kind of flicking through it and read a good portion of the first act. And this book is paced differently. It does not go for the big bang explosions and ooh, look, it's kind of slow. Yes. It's actually kind of Lovecraftian-ish, kind yeah, of, sort of. Imagine that. It, it's interesting, but it's just not the kind of pace that you usually go into a book expecting, maybe? Yeah, definitely the first one. The the seams in the collected edition are seamless. I, I've never read this in issue form, and I have no idea where the seams are. Yeah, the I issues. looked really hard. Like, you gave me shit when I was <clears throat> flicking through the book. You're like, that's an interesting way to read the book. And I was like... <laughs> I cannot find the breaks in the issues. There's two breaks in here somewhere, yeah. and I can't find them. And you're like, uh, yeah, I couldn't either. Yeah. Uh, the third, the definitely the, the first act is very slow. It's crazy. Um, but I, I really, I like the overall, <clears throat> despite it starting off fairly slow, I like how slow uh, the whole story is and the whole plot is, despite it, be, it actually feels not necessarily brooding, but like, it actually lets you sit in like the Lovecraftian horror of like what the fuck is going on. Despite what are my, what am I supposed to be scared of instead of it being like 
constantly escalating. Even despite being slow, it's intriguing. Yes. It actually feels like a mystery, which a lot of Batman books, even the best ones, don't. (laughs) Um, It's been a a while since I've read a good mystery Batman book, and this was definitely a nice kick in the pants for that bit of energy. Um, Even the third act with like the big, all the big stuff happening, it still ends up feeling fairly small by comparison to other books. It's a, it's a world ending threat, but because it's not fully comprehensible, it doesn't distract you from the situations you're actually in. Uh, I would counter that with the result of the book without spoilers. Um, it is bigger than what you're saying. It, it ends differently than just Hooray, we, we beat the, the yes. world-ending monster. Like, there there are some life-changing results. A lot. From it. <clears throat> Life as in, in the comic book. Um, it doesn't try to wow you with its destructive capabilities. There's a lot of very big events that happen that it shows you the effects of, but it doesn't dwell on them so much and kind of, like, pad out the book by, like, oh, look at these pages on pages of destruction. It's like, there's a couple of panels, this is what you need to know happened. Moving on to the next scene. The artwork is interesting. I would almost say that it's like... Like, Mike drew it on a pencil, and an artist came along and took that idea and changed it a little bit and made it his own. Like, it, it... feels influenced by Mike and it could just entirely be the writing or maybe his artwork as an inspiration but I think he might have done a couple of storyboards early on there's yeah, a lot of behind the scenes info that's for this what I'm book. saying is like it, it feels like there's sprinkles of Mike in the artwork but a lot of it feels just influenced by what he's done and and, um when i was younger i used to think that this book was illustrated by him because i couldn't read credits (laughs) um but yeah it definitely has that feel i also just think it's because mike leans on the elements in his own work in both his writing and his his art that like this book is founded on like the base themes is what he does all the time so it kind of by like just by by being next by to each other, like it just yeah, they're just right next to each other, and it's like, yeah. well, why would it, he's writing the story? Why wouldn't we make it look a bit more like his art, anyways? So like, what I'm saying is like, it's a lot brighter. Like Mike clearly didn't ink this. No. Um, but uh, for example, there's a, a frog character in a frog monster, I guess, in in the story that looks like it was penciled by Mike. Like, it literally, look, there's a couple of characters in Hellboy that look almost exactly the same. Which was made way after this, I think, by the time that came around. So, um, the artwork is good. I really like that they're, that it's generally brighter, that it's not as heavily inked as what Mike usually does. It just makes it feel different and unique. Um... I do think on the... I do... I agree with you. Most of the art I do enjoy looking at. A lot of the faces... Faces are kind of rough. very, very rough. That's There's I like four that four different Robins. Yeah. And it it's three. It feels impossible to tell the difference between Well, them. it's a good thing two of them die pretty early. Yeah, I can't even tell you which ones die. Uh good point. Um that's one of the points where I think that the movie did made a, a solid choice. Yeah. It was weird at the time when we were watching it. I was like, why did they just swap this character for another character? But they it does make them a bit more visually distinct. I think the movie had like three different races, I think for the Robins, and it was like that was a feels little a little on the nose. It was a little weird, but it helped distinguish them a little bit better. If I remember correctly, they basically made Cassandra Kane into what Tim plays in this oh, book. Oh right, and they're they're kind of, eh, they're not similar. <clears throat> I agree. Traditionally speaking, they're not similar characters, really. But I think the role that she played in the movie works well to just... It, it, there's a lot of visual distinction on that right. front. Whereas, yeah, in the book, they all kind of feel the same, but they are also kind of cannon fodder to some extent. They're just different heights, you know? Um, but, yeah, the faces are kind of rough in general. I appreciate that it doesn't linger on a lot of the faces. It'll give you a blank stare of brooding off into the sunset, but, like, a lot of the... 
the panels are a lot larger than that. They don't tend to focus on like single character emotions. A lot of them are landscapes, vistas, or action sequences, or they're in costume, whereas you don't need that anyways. And like, I think that this Batman costume in this comic is way more expressive than I thought it was going to be, like on reread. You don't need to worry about what Bruce Wayne's face looks like in the previous panels, because when he's in the suit, which is most of the book, it's really expressive. This take is going to take some explanation, um, because we haven't reviewed the book, but this felt like it had a bit of hush-itis, where it's trying to force all of the rogues gallery into the book, and it's just so slapdash that it just comes across as being rushed, or like... I disagree with you, Not actually. fully fleshed out. So, like, Two-Face shows up. And it's cool, it, it's really well done, it's done through like radio announcements that he's elected and whatever, and that's all good stuff, but then he gets this random ass disease and it comes across as poison ivy. It literally is. In mention only, like you don't see poison ivy, it's just, he yeah, you just do. out you, of the blue contracts poison ivy, which is more you're, than you're wrong. regular there's, there's poison like, ivy. There's like four panels, it shows that it was either Ray or Talia, make a plant lady she's a redhead she goes through and then like three panels later she gives him a handshake it was right there it's so tiny i like that i i like how many people are squished into this book but i don't feel like it detracts from the story like most of them aren't pivotal characters like you have um a version of man bat penguin two-face um Poison Ivy, Talia, Raish, um... And the Talia stuff felt underbaked. There's so many harsh adjectives used for her, and it's like, where is this coming from? She, you, you see her face, and she's like, I'm gonna do the thing. And then she kind of goes poof and is gone. Like, I do agree that she was the least interesting part of the book. That's how most of this felt like. Like, the stuff with Two-Face eventually becomes something interesting, but... Everybody gets a mention. It just feels underused. Oh, yeah, and there's a version of Mr. Freeze in here, too, who I do think is the most fleshed-out version of all of them because it's not in name, but it is very fucking clearly Mr. Freeze. There was... Um, I really oh. like the, really the cold open with the different... Well, the, not the cold open, but, like, the first act or so yeah, where the... cold open. With, like, the contrast between Cobblepot and... Um, Man bat, like as different. I, I, I really like how they're visually distinct from other versions of them, and they can. They're like Cobblepot's basically just a nod to the previous character. Like it has nothing. Right. It's not like he's not a character in this story. He's like old news, sort of. It's like characters discovering his journals and blah 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 whatever. It just felt like Mike had so many ideas of like I could use this character like this, but you get what feels like two panels of it, and you're like, that's such a cool idea, and then there's nothing more. Like, it's just a mention, a head nod, and it's like, nah, I want more. I guess. It could have potentially used another issue's worth of length, but I feel like that's kind of what Elseworlds books are supposed to be, is, like, they're not necessarily, like, underwhelming, but, like, they're not supposed to be some big, like, compendiums worth of stuff. It's like, but what if this world was like this? And, like, that's kind of it. I also thought it was funny because the book literally says, like, the disease of toads or something. I'm like, ah, Plague of Frogs, I see it, I see you, Mike. <laughs> yeah, he, he likes his in-jokes. Um, that's about it. I The book ends, uh, let's say spoilers, with the Batman going Super Saiyan and becoming the Bat. And then he stays the bat. He's the bat of Gotham. Yes. And he's... Bruce Wayne is dead, but Batman is the bat man. And apparently there's a sequel book to this coming up soon? No. Didn't you just say that? No. On this week? With yeah. Elseworlds, Elseworlds coming back. It's another by Gaslight book. Because mm. there's already two of those. Mm. Mm-hmm. I thought you had said it was to this one. No, sir. It's another Gotham by Gaslight sequel. Because there's, there's already been one. 
But with Elseworlds coming back, we could get a sequel. I highly and doubt it. The Batman is a bat. I highly doubt it. It'd be cool, though. I don't disagree. Let Mike do the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. He won't. He's too busy. Let Mike do the disease of toads in Gotham. Oh, boy. With the Batman. Big Bat. Squid Monsters. Speaking of the Batman, I'm going to roll right into one of my topics. Okay, buddy. You said that was all you had. I was just going to say, I put it on about the same tier as Gotham by Gaslight. It, that book is, I think, a bit more thorough. It's also really fucking slow to read, which mm-hmm. is weird. These are both fairly slow books. Yeah. Gaslight has more action in it, but it's also a lot more word heavy. There's a lot of journal entries and a lot of voiceover and the interpersonal relationships are very complicated. Whereas this book is somehow more surface level than that. Yeah. Even though, is, even though the topic is a lot more abstract. This book is surprisingly long in page count, but it burns by so quick. It It's kind of interesting that, it feels really light on words. It's just a lot of pretty artwork, so... Yeah, it's it's just an odd contrast. Mostly because they came out around the same time, and they're the two, like, most popular Elseworlds books. We mentioned it when we watched the movie. Uh, I really like the use of Oracle as, like, a spiritual Oracle where she's channeling spirits that the Batman can talk to. It's so much more well done in the movie, it's... though. The book, the, the way that they do it in the book is very clunky. It's a really good concept, though. Oh, it is. And I really like it. Yeah. But anyway, speaking of the Batman, I read... I swear to God, if you say another one more day book, I will leave. Batman, one bad day. Mine. (laughs) Spencer's. It's right fucking now. (laughs) I have a limit of Batman. Batman, One Bad Day, Gargoyle of Gotham. What the fuck? (laughs) I'm just kidding. I read Batman, Gargoyle of Gotham. It came out uh, last month. It was the first issue of three. It is done by Raphael Grampa, or Grampe, um, with Steve Bucalado as the colorist, and Matt Lopez as another colorist. Um, It is a black label book. Whoa! I read this two weeks ago. Um, right before we recorded. And I just burned through it in what felt like five minutes. And Spencer came out of my bathroom and was like, what are you screeching about? And I was like, read this fucking book, holy shit. Because it's so good. I read it again last night because it's been a week since I read it. <clears throat> It's, oh, the artwork is really good. It, it. Breathe. My memory recalls it as being black and white, but it's not. It's got muted colors, I guess. But um, there's a, a portion of the action that's definitely in black and white. It's in a dark room, but there's a projector running with a black and white cartoon. And my favorite frame out of the whole comic book is the Batman being doing the the freaking Dracula cowl behind his cape. And the projector is projecting onto his cape instead of the projector screen. And it just looks so freaking good. The villain is entirely unique as far as I know. Yep. Apparently, I I think he said that all of them are going to be. I think. It's so good. Um... There's beans in this, and they're really freaking good beans. They're like spiced refried beans. Like, maybe even re-refried beans. They're so good. Come on. Our insular jokes are so weird, man. You've gotten the can of refried beans and like into the frying pan and then spiced it up and then re-refried your beans. That makes really good beans. Yes. That's the beans found in this book. It's so good. Um, my biggest complaint about this book, it's gonna rock your world, I know. I know. Calm down. Jim Gordon smokes cigarettes. That's bullshit. He needs to be smoking a cigar or a pipe. The pipe is better, but a cigar is acceptable. I'm pretty... It's a little too close to J. Jonah Jameson, but 
It's okay. Bro, I'm pretty sure he smokes cigarettes in year one. It's bullshit. He's so mad. Um, Alfred is great. The Batman, honestly, <laughs> the way the Batman is written feels inspired one part by year one and one part by the the, the 2022 the Batman movie. Yes. It's a pretty good mix of those two. Um, Which means it's really 75% Batman year one. Yeah. Because, that, because the movie was half year one. <laughs> um, there's a really interesting twist where the Batman is like, Bruce Wayne's going to die. I've already written the papers and I'm going to launch them all tomorrow. And Alfred's like, you're being a dork. Stop it. Uh, so that'll be interesting in issue two when the Bruce Wayne dies, but then he's not actually dead, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, it was really interesting that he's caught up in his persona that he wants his human side to, to die off and just become the Batman. <clears throat> Fucking dork. Yep. Pretty sure Alfred literally says that. <laughs> I would I would believe it. <laughs> um, Colin was completely enthralled by the Batmobile in this, where it's a prototype that Batman couldn't wait to be fully tested and was like, no, I'm going to drive it right now, and then just bitches about what's wrong with it, and Alfred's like, you dork. That's why it's a prototype. <laughs> yep. But um, it's so heavily reinforced and safe that there's no windows. It's it's a computer screens all around him with cameras all sticking out from the sides of it it's subtly. so cool. But it's all digitized and <laughs> Batman's driving blind through part of the book. I be like a bat. Shut up. I didn't ask you. <laughs> Actually, I did. Um, he thinks. So good. <laughs> this is one of my favorite books already this year. Yes. I. The first time I sped read it, and I was like, this is so good. Oh, my gosh. And then, like, time went by, and I was like, it's been a while. I need to read it again so that I can have more notes. And I read it. And I'm like, I'm going to take my time and I'm going to notice all the oh, shit. It's gone already. <laughs> it's so good. You dork. I know. <laughs> I five do. out of five stars. I do agree. Very good. Did you have anything else on top of that? Not really. Nothing no. about the villain? Not really. No, I'm I wasn't. I, I my problem with a lot of the Black Label books is that a lot of them are really, really good. And I want to get them issue by issue. But also, I don't feel like paying like ten dollars for each issue and then buying the collected edition. I'll right. just wait for the collected edition. And you just shove this fucking thing down my throat. And now I kind of have to read the next two issues. <laughs> the problem is I don't want to get the Black Label issue in normal issue size. I want the book in its majestic full size glory. But not all of them are made in prestige format either. And but this one's gotta be. It's gotta be. It's not. It looks so good. It's not. It's just in regular fucking size. I know. Which is a bit weird. But I, I don't know what else to tell you, man. There's one page in this issue where it's just this random ass character scooping out more beans. And... They work for a paper or something, and their boss is like, oh, and by the way, you can't. <laughs> I like beans. <laughs> and and uh, there's no other mention of it. So I'm pretty sure that person is the villain. Probably. There's definitely some stuff in there. Uh, actual one note. I do like how the opening sequence of the book with the it, the opening fight sequence makes you think that Batman's doing all the fighting, but it's not actually Batman. I, I really like that twist. I kind of saw it coming, but like I like how because the su the subtle color palette changes, when you actually see Batman like go to that area, you're like, oh, that sequence happened earlier and it wasn't Batman. Yeah. Like it's 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 nice. I like that. Real good shit. I I like the suit. It. Drapey. It feels frumpy. 
That's the word that comes to mind. It, it's ribbed for her pleasure. There's so many frames where I'm like, this is like a Frank Miller frame if it was done by a talented artist. Well, see, that's the thing is I believe his first DC project was doing uh, Frank Miller's uh, Dark Knight Golden Child, which was the least worst sequel because it had good art. That's very specific wording. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't good, but it had really killer art and it was done by this artist. And it, it does look very similar to the way that he drew Batwoman in that book. It adds to the year one feeling because the gloves don't fit very well. They're, they feel like they're kind of kind of sliding down his arm towards his wrist or like his cape is just like a big ass freaking blanket that he's wrapped around his neck and is kind of holding there. There's so many uh, ripples to it or, or folds in it that it's like, this is clearly too big for you. Ah, <laughs> uh, you mean like he's getting in over his depth in over, over his depth no, and I'm jumping the shark and he's going to die. Get a custom fit, my guy. He get, doesn't have a tailor yet. Get the drip. He's already got the drip though. It, it, the frumples work, man. It's, it's sexy as hell. It's so good. Big king. Big boots. Big, oh, yes, big boots. Anyways, um, actually, another character who has big boots to fill is uh, Bloodline, daughter of Blade. I was going to say Justin Roiland. <laughs> Damn, was that a Rick and Morty reference? I, that was so subtle. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it was written by Danny Lore with art by Karen Darbo. This trade collects the uh, free comic book day from 2022, which was the introduction to this character, the five issue miniseries from 2022, and then uh, 2022's Crypt of Shadows. Uh, part of that also had this character in it. So it's kind of it's all of her current appearances in one book. And they're all done by the same creative team, which is cool. Um Blade has a daughter, apparently. At some point, he has had sex, which is cringe. Uh, the It follows... Uh, I don't even remember what her actual fucking name is. That's the problem. The Bloodline is her superhero name, and I don't remember her real name. Um, but it follows this kid. She's like 13, 14. Um, and this book is like, uh, like an anime, kind of. Um, and I don't mind it for that, to be honest. It's very... <sighs> Yeah, this is targeted at, like, 14-year-old girls, um, which is weird because I don't think they'd be into Blade in the first place. So I'm not... Uh, this is an interesting situation to, like, kind of continue working with the Blade mythos, but with people who have no real interest in it, I guess. But also, teenage girls love sexy vampires, and there are sexy vampires in this book. Um, Briella, thank you. Goodreads. You're welcome. Um, basically, her mom had sex with Blade, gay, and, you know, because of Blade's confused blood status, let's say. Um, they didn't know whether the kid was going to be a vampire or a half-vampire or normal or whatever. So eventually, he ended up convincing Doctor Strange to put on a big spell so nobody could find her, and then he fucked off and became a stereotypical black absent father, which is a weird trope for this book to lean into. And I think it's conscious and I'm not sure what the fuck's going on with that. That was mm -hmm. a bit weird. Mm -hmm. Um, but then he comes back into the picture because he felt through the force basically that she was in trouble. She discovers that she has powers. So she goes and fights vampires for fun. Also turns out that her mom knew about the whole thing and it's weird. It's a very, Mom, you can also kick ass. What the fuck? It's very... I've watched this before when I was younger, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, the plot mostly revolves around a clone of uh, Blade's vampire dad being evil and raising a... Vampire daddy you are? Yeah, pretty much. Um, raising another kid to take his powers and whatever, and she's rivals with Brielle and... The plot's really nonsensical. Um, it's fine, it's serviceable, but it's really not that interesting. It's very, my kid's gonna fight your kid, and no, my dad could beat up your dad, and that's kind of weird. Wow. Um, the art, for the most part, is really good. It just 
doesn't really strike my fancy. Um, it can be inconsistent on the faces and a lot of the proportions can be kind of weird depending on what type of a panel it is, if it's an action panel or uh, another action panel or a different type of action panel. Most of this book is action or if it's like a stationary panel and it just kind of makes the proportions feel weird. Um, I don't love how um, Karen Darbo draws Blade. It's he looks fine. It just looks like the most generic version of Blade I've kind of seen. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very... His face is kind of poorly defined. And I think that's one of the things about the book that bothered me the most is most of the faces are really vague, if that makes sense. It, it's just they're not super well laid out, which means they're not very expressive. It's hard to tell what characters are thinking and feeling. Um, the characterization for Blade is pretty shallow. It's typical what a what like a normie kind of thinks of blade if you know he exists which is fine it's it's not boring the book isn't about him so i wouldn't expect it to be from his perspective but it definitely seems weird and kind of shallow that blade would be willing to dip out and then pop back in on his daughter's life so flippantly not that him having conflicting emotions would be bad or like incorrect I guess it just feels like they don't really go into it because the book is meant to be kind of light um so it's just kind of weird I I think for my taste anyways it's it's mostly a taste thing um the characters are good though I like Brielle she is a good character with a solid amount of kick I hope that they continue using her I hope she doesn't kind of fall to the wayside like a lot of daughter of or son of this other character does um I have no clue if she's in the current Blade run. Um, I hope that she makes some appearances because it sounds like her and Blade are going to have an ongoing relationship moving forward, kind of distant mentorship, which I think is a solid place to kind of take it. Um, she just kind of goes and kicks ass around. Like she has like a team of friends and they go trap vampires in houses and beat the shit out of them, which is cool. I dig it. Um, I kind of wish there was more substance to it, but it's a solid enough char- character introduction. Um I bought it for 20, 20, 16 or $17 from Jetpack. I'd recommend getting it on a sale um, or borrowing it or whatever. Um, if at some point the character does become more relevant, either comes back in to the Blade run, God forbid Marvel Studios decides that they want to use this character in their Blade movie or anything like that, I feel like this could definitely, definitely has the potential for a bigger series with more... Um, I don't want to say thought put into it. That sounds kind of rude, but like I, I think that this creative team could definitely go really far with this character because it seems like it is their creation, which is cool. I don't want to take that away from them. Um, but I definitely think if it was going to be more than a few issues, they need to iron out a lot of the kinks because otherwise it's not going to be engaging for that long for me. And I'm kind of the not the target demographic for this book, but I am the, I guess, average comic book purchaser. So, you know, knowing your market and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, I did enjoy it for sure. It just wasn't entirely up my alley. Um, but you know, vampire book, it's spooky. Bingus, what else you got? Speaking of spooky, you and I read these two books. We read, well, you read the whole trade, uh, the whole run. I finished uh, the run of The Immortal Hulk by Al Ewing. Uh, The last review I officially did on air was the third trade out of five. I read four and five. You read the whole thing, of course. Um, Because I'm a cheapskate. No, you just burned through it quicker than I did. Um, Hulk has so many identities and is having an identity crisis, but not like DID identity, like just who is Hulk? Hulk is Hulk. Um, and kind of a spiritual crisis too. Um, so many of his identities get dragged off to hell. And this run is crazy. This run is crazy deep. There's so much happening amongst so many characters. Uh, 
both of us felt like I need to sit and think on what I just read. <laughs> because it's so crazy. There's so much, so many moving parts. We even talked through, like, what we took away from it and things that we missed and like, no, 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 this happened to clarify that. Oh, I missed that. It's nuts. Al Ewing is such a great writer. He understands the characters that he writes. He doesn't just go, ah, fuck it, I'll make my own freaking lore. He understands. <laughs> but also, I'm going to make my own lore. Yes. <laughs> exactly. It's so good. It feels respectful to the long-term fans, but also he does his own thing. He's not just circle-jerking the long-time fans. And, oh, you remember when that thing happened? It's going to happen again. No, he does his own thing. And it's so good. The artwork in this run is so good. It's so gorgeous. I don't remember a frame where I went, ew, that didn't look very good. Like, everything looks so epic in this run. Yes. The, the covers are done by Alex Ross, and you read the issue, and you go back, and you look at the cover, and you're like, holy shit, he got... at." at the very minimum, a sticky note of, like, this is what happens in this issue. And that inspired him. But he probably read, like, the whole script and went, damn, I'm gonna write a cool-ass cover for that issue. <laughs> and he's such a talented artist. I love everything that he paints. It's gorgeous. I am gonna be picking up the collected edition of all his covers for this run at some point. It's gonna be way too expensive, but I want it. It's, it's amazing. It's very rare that you get the same cover artist for the entirety of a run, and it's fucking great. Yeah, and hopefully the same thing happens for Immortal Thor. Yes! And then they put them in one book. <laughs> and it's just the biggest jizz fest. I don't even know how to review this. <laughs> like, it's so complex and crazy. It's batshit crazy. And it works, and it's cool. I loved this run. This was one of my favorite reads from start to finish. Um, we talked about how the third trade kind of lulls a little bit, but don't let that detract you from reading this at all. It's, it's just, I likened it to like a Tom Clancy book, like an OG Tom Clancy book, where it's like the first four-fifths of the book are freaking long and boring and it feels like a textbook but he's just setting the stage and and building the world and basically making like a mouse trap like the board game so that when you hit 10 chapters from the end of the book and you're ready to just put it back on the shelf everything sets off and it just freaking goes like crazy that's what this trade felt, or the, this, this run felt like. Any lull was just set dressing to, to make a crazy, complex story twist. It's so cool. Yes, sir. Worth the money. Absolutely. I will be buying the Omnibus Eventually. Now that I've read it without having to buy the Omnibus, I'm going to delay a little bit until I find a sale, but like, holy shit. 150 bucks for that thing would feel fine. Worth it. Yeah. I mean, it's about how much you paid getting the books that you did anyways. Probably. So. Worth it. Yeah. <laughs> Your turn, bad boy. No. Hurry up, because I, I got to pee. Oh boy, you always gotta pee. I know. Uh, so I read Deceased, War of the Undead Gods. Yeah. It is the final entry in uh, the Deceased universe. It's yeah. the third. Yeah, me. Uh, it's <laughs> the third main book and the fifth in total. Uh, it is, again, as with all of the primary books, written by Tom Taylor with art by Trevor Harrison. Um, 
fucking Superman comes out of the sun where he's been sitting for a while. Um, and we have to basically war off. I mean, as the title says, the undead gods, um, the primary antagonist of the book for the first half or so is, um, the, the new gods and I guess the old gods, but mostly the, the new gods from, um, the fourth world, but they're all zombies. It's fucking awesome. Um, we also get to meet Supergirl in the beginning of the book. She starts off as the POV character until she gets sent to the, the fourth world and then gets turned very quickly. Um, it continues following up on the main, I guess, trio now, or not now, but for the, the second half of this whole series, uh, Damien as Batman, Jonathan as um, Superman, and uh, Donna Troy as Wonder Woman. They're a really, really good trio, and the chemistry between Damien and John, especially uh, in this book, in the last book, when they're 18 to 20, I'd say, is fucking phenomenal. Their dynamic, this is like equal with the Superboys run, or the, the Super Sons run from uh, Peter Tomasi in like 2013 or whatever. Like, this is amazing chemistry between these characters, which Tom Taylor has been nailing since the beginning. Um, the plot gets a little bit lost in the sauce, not as much as uh, Undead Planet or Dead Planet, the second main book. Um, but the the big villain revealed is basically, but what if there's a big squid monster on the other side of all the evil? And I didn't really love that. It's uh, like Ouroboros or whatever. It's another... Before things existed, there was another evil deity, and it's fine. It definitely suits its purpose for the sake of the plot. Um, the ending is really, really cool on that aspect. It just definitely, I, I kind of would have liked it if it was just the new gods. I feel like that would have been a nice finale. Uh, Superman comes back. Like I said, he leaves the sun and gets turned back into a human. He gets to meet up with his wife, who's the president, which is great. Um, he doesn't have an arm now, which is weird, but like... Superman's back, so, you know, humanity is all optimism and hope-pilled again, which is really fucking great. Um, it just, in, in general, despite the plot going in directions I didn't love, it felt a lot smoother than the last book did. Um, I think because this one, I believe, had a longer time to gestate. I believe uh, this started being written during COVID, like, past the initial storyboards from however long ago. So it definitely felt like this was brewing for a while. Um, I think it's only five issues long, and I blew through them so fast. Um, I'm pretty sure you said it was one shit's worth. So it, I read it, I started shitting, and I read about one issue, and then I was done shitting, and then I went back to sit on my bedroom floor. And I read <laughs> it cross-legged, and I didn't finish it until my ankles were asleep, and I couldn't get up. Sounds I, like I, one shit's worth. I guess. <laughs> um, the character moments are some of the best in the series. I would definitely say on par with the first book. There are so many moments in this book that made, like, I like to to intellectualize my emotional involvement in books. I get very really? engrossed. I know, shut up. I get very engrossed in them, but I like to try to pull it back to, like, what does this say about why I connect with these characters? This book just made me like actually pump my fist in the air and say, fuck yeah, like multiple times. It's so fucking cool. There's one moment about two thirds of the way through the book. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but when you read it, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about, where a character who has been here from the beginning of this series, who kind of disappeared for a little while or was a bit quieter, you wouldn't think is a primary character in this series, becomes like the linchpin for this entire thing. And it is fucking amazing they're the one doing the voiceover in the book and when you find out who it is who's doing the voiceover for the book it's oh, it all comes together and i oh change my pants change my pants so much i want to say right now that very 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 close to when you needed a pants change um i found the release of the deluxe edition of the first book and I was so close to buying it, but it's like 50 bucks. And it's Oof. like, yeah, yeah, that's a bit steep. That's a bit much. It's not a long series. It's a good book, but yikes. Yeah. You can't be throwing that much extra stuff in the back end. Yeah, that's a bit, bit rough. Um, the ending of this is very... Because comics. Like... It's a lot of stuff that happens at once. 
There's a lot of very, very, not even overt symbolism, just beating you over the head with what the book wants you to feel. And sometimes that doesn't work. And I understand why that's frustrating. This book where it just works for me, all of the things come together in a way that I appreciate. There's a lot of really good emotional beats. And the ending made me go, oh, shit, it's over. But not in like the no, there was so much more you could have done. Like it ends and it's like, that is a good conclusion. Fuck. I have to get a new hobby now. Like, yeah. and I, I love that feeling. And it's been a long time since I felt that with like a series of comics from the big two, where it actually maintains quality through the whole thing. Holy fucking shit. The last couple of pages. They're so good. I meant to bring it to give it to you. To read, <laughs> and I forgot. It's so good. I bought it for 20 or 30 bucks. I, it cover price. Um, I can never remember how expensive these books are. It's in a hardcover, like all the other ones, which are really, really fucking pretty. They have cool contrast lettering and stuff. Probably like 20 bucks, to be honest. It's probably 20. Um, I, these are my favorite hardcover books, like, ever. I usually don't like hardcovers for my comics, but I really like these ones. <clears throat> so fucking worth it. When they put on an omnibus with this whole thing, I'm gonna buy it immediately. Oh, I should wait for that, if I can. But you already... Have the other four. Why no, not? Just... I have two out of the five. Oh, never mind. Maybe and you should. And they're the two shitty ones, too, so... Quote-unquote shitty. They're, they're the two lesser ones out of the Fantastic series. That's better. I gotta go pee. It's freezing cold out here. I bought this for $30, which is cover price uh, from Jetpack. Definitely worth it. I would pay... So much money for a good collected edition of all of these. I would really like an omnibus form. I feel like that would be a reasonable size. Uh, there is a ninety to a hundred dollars slip slip case of all the paperbacks. Uh, I don't like the paperbacks because they're lame. The hardcovers are where it's at, which you'll never hear me say about anything else. So do an omnibus, but with the same like formatting and textures as the hardcovers, and I will buy four of them and give them to my friends. <laughs> Jacob is the pee pee man. The pee pee man, the pee pee man. Jacob is the pee pee man who pisses in my mouth. I heard you talking shit. Nope. <laughs> Nuh uh. <laughs> You okay, buddy? Nope. My last two reviews have been glowing. So one would think, my gosh, he must have found something to bitch about. But you're wrong. I read Silver Surfer colon black, written by Donnie Cates and illustrated by this guy. You may have heard of him. He probably wrote your favorite Doctor Strange book, Trad Moore. Holy shit. I know. Holy shit. Usually you have something to bitch about. I know, but this book was great. Uh, it is five issues. It's about the coolest dude in the Marvel Universe, the Silver Surfer, and he gets infected with the, with the, with the something. With something, something. Something evil, probably. And it has to do with the King in Black, uh, Mr. Null Guy, or sorry, Knull Guy, and uh, you know how batshit crazy Red Sun Fall Rise Fall Sunrise Day Yes was? Yes. This is kind of the lead up to that. It's not as batshit crazy, but it's still kind of batshit crazy, like a little bit. It is wicked cool. It looks so good. Trad illustrates so effectively. My opinion is still the same. Holy shit, drugs must be so cool. But he's probably not on drugs. He's just probably really smart and has like a mathematics masters or something. Like the oh, I studied. I took notes for this and I forgot the um 
yes. There were notes in the back of the book with like the the pencil sketch for like how to lay out a page, right? Mm-hmm. Penciled by Trad. It had the fucking Fibonacci sequence in it. Like that's how he figures out how to draw some of this shit. It's nuts. <laughs> what the fuck? I know that I know those words and I don't know what they mean. Okay. I know it's a math thing. You know the glass onion? Yes. Uh-huh. The thing that the envelope is hidden in behind, right? It's got the, the freaking swirl thing. Yeah. That's the Fibonacci sequence. And he bases his freaking art off of this. Like, he's doing algorithms to figure out how to draw some of these pages. It's absolutely crazy. That's really weird. I don't think it's literal, but... <laughs> Drugs must be great, man. When you're drawing the Silver Surfer, you have to have this metaphysical expression where, like, the guy isn't solid. He's not an actual person. He's made of silver, and he, he's he got these swoopy effects, and he's liquid but solid. Goopy. Yeah. It's so cool. And he's infected by Mr. Null. Canal Man. It's very good. How many issues is in this? Five. Strange. And I have not actually read the King in Black event yet. But I read the Venom run up to that point. And so most of it made sense. There's a there's a freaking dragon that the Silver Surfer guy has to kill, and it's cool and epic, and it probably doesn't have to do with anything, right? Right? Yeah, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, sure. Probably. I like dragons. Um, I like dragon eating nuts across your face. He uses his surfboard in so many cool ways. Like, there's so many cool shots of like momentum where he's riding his surfboard and then does like a triple kick flip and then grabs his surfboard that's transformed into a spear and he just freaking stabs it into a guy's head and it's it's so cool it looks so good i need this book in in the treasury edition because it's it looks so good wow damn dude I read it for free through my library app. Oh, that's so anticlimactic. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering how you snuck this one past me. Hmm. And I've been looking for it in the Treasury Edition, and I don't see it. I don't think it's been printed in that form. I don't think so. But I need it. Hmm. Okay, I read something good, but not as good as that. But it is a crossover between two of my favorite Marvel characters. I read... Uh, Doctor Strange and Ghost Rider. Not quite. Ah! Uh, Ghost Rider and Wolverine Weapons of Vengeance. I was close. You were close. It is a four-issue crossover event that happened pretty recently. I'm effectively reviewing the trade the trade paperback edition of it, but it's not actually out yet. I just read it as an ongoing. Um, so it includes an Alpha and Omega issue, and then it's like Ghost Rider 17 and Wolverine 37 or something like that. Um... It's written by Benjamin Percy, who's already been writing both of those runs. Um, And then Jeff Shaw, who I believe has been doing the Wolverine run, did the uh, interior art for all four of these issues. And Ryan Stegman did the covers, which are fucking awesome. Was it it Ryan Stegman? I don't know. Pretty sure it was Ryan Stegman who did the covers. Was it either him or Greg Capullo? I don't remember. Whatever. Really cool covers. Um... So, uh, two of the depressed, angry, emo, screamy, depressed edgelord guys it's great it's so cool there's a cult characters uh there's a cult of characters who are like killing mutants and that's why wolverine is getting involved with ghost rider they've met before obviously um and there's a big flashback issue to like their first time meeting where of course they fought and it's cool and set in i think the 70s so they're both wearing 70s outfits which are great um and it has to do with a character that they, you know, apparently met in the past. Uh, basically, it's a... <gasps> Whoa. I guess you found it. I found the Treasury Edition for $53. Usually those are only like 30 Yeah. You're telling me. That's kind of worth it, though, I, th- I think. It's a big book. Um, maybe 40 I don't remember what the cover price is. Um, 
Basically, there's a kid who's possessed by a demon or something like that, some evil entity. So he bounces around between foster care. Um, there's apparently basically his, um, like, nah, fuck, 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 uh, like social worker is apparently in this cult and like brings him around to places. So he kills people and but they're the ones that they want them to kill or whatever it's real weird um and this kid's powers i guess are effectively obviously like consuming people and whatever and then he like constructs them into like a fucking statue tower like shrine thing it's fucking gross um and it happens a lot in all of these issues um so it's about that and then like the cult wants to make better mutants or kill all the mutants or whatever the plot's very contrived i wasn't a huge fan of that it ended up being a lot more anticlimactic than i thought so they want to use wolverine's body to like take the demon form and he can be cool and stuff. And in the process of doing this, they make him the Helverine where he takes the spirit of vengeance <laughs> just because it's cool as fuck. So he has like a skull head and he has like superheated claws and it, it's fucking dope as shit. Um, super over the top. Um, the, just the plotting really does drag between the fact that it's only four issues long um, and the first and last one are one shot. So I think they're like 64 pages. It still felt really shallow for the most part was what I, the vibe I was getting off of the whole thing. Um, they are Stegman covers. It's in my notes. I'm stupid. Um, yeah, just kind of lame plotting. Um, it was fine. It works really well. Uh, Benjamin Percy has really good understanding of both of these characters. So there's a lot of really good banter and just kind of general discussions between the two of them about like, I'm also lonely and depressed and I don't like how much violence I do, but like, I can't really get away from it. And like, blah, 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 all the stuff you'd expect. Um, so just generally really good character writing. Um, I, I described it in my notes as like bark without a lot of bite. Like it's really big and over the top and edgy and it's really violent and stuff. Um, and it does have good writing to back it up. It just, the plot doesn't really end up meaning much by the time it's over. I don't think it's really tying into anything else. I think it was just a thing that he thought up and then Marvel said yes, which is fine. Um, I just wish it was a bit more than that because I do really like both of these characters and I think he understands them well enough to write a lot more emotionally like thematic story. Um, the flashbacks were fucking great. Just that was like the biggest highlight because like 70s Ghost Rider costume with like brown suit Wolverine and then they punch each other a lot. Like it's fucking great. Um, Jeff Shaw isn't my favorite artist. Apparently he's like a really, really popular one. Um, but I do think this is some of the best stuff I've seen from him. So it was really, 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 really well done. As I bought them in trades, it was like 16 to $18 in total. I think the trade's going to be about 15 or $16, which seems fair. Wait, I would just... You said as you bought it in trades? I bought it in issues. So ah. I bought it in issues. The trade's going to equal out to almost the same price. Obviously, the trade would be better for that. Um, I'd say try to nab it on a sale, but like... You know what you're getting into if you read the back cover, and I think that's fine enough. It just, I, I was just personally wishing it was a bit more. Because I've been following this Ghost Rider run from the beginning for like a year and a half now. I just was kind of hoping there'd be more. Especially because Wolverine has already popped up in this run a few times, and this was like the culmination of that. And it was a little... And then they punch things. And it's like, well, that's good and all. Meh. I don't know. Like, 15 bucks seems reasonable. I don't know. Find a damaged copy somewhere. That would be decent. Um, the book's not out in that form yet, but you should buy it like that. I need more of these types of crossovers, though. Like, just pair up Marvel edgelord characters more and more. Please. It's so much fun. They get to just, oh, I'm so depressed. Oh, no, no, you're so depressed, honey. And then they just, like, they, like, girl boss at each other, but in, like, the, like, just dudes being dudes way, and it's really fun. Jeff Lorenz and Caitlin did not wait for a sale to go over to patreon.com forward slash dime comic bros network and sign up under the one one of the four tiers there that is correct they Just supported the show outright wholesale 
they just went for it. Right. If you want to be that super cool, cool, they're wicked cool. If you want to be wicked cool and get added onto the wicked cool list where we say your name, but you can make it a funny meme. So like, then we'll have to say like, lick my balls, but that's your name. Cox and socks. Ooh. Thank you. Woody hoodies. There, it's a it's a hoodie, but for your Woody. Did you see the the Instagram yes. thing I sent you about uh, the foreskin getting a, a monthly ha- haircut? Yeah, I'm good. Uncomfy. Uh, um, I've never heard of such a thing. Blonde joke, am I right? Yes. Uh, if you want to help to support this show, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, if you go to patreon.com forward slash Dime Comic Bros Network, we have a bunch of different tiers with cool rewards. In addition to us jerking you off every episode and Ew, saying gross. Name. Yeah, sure. Um, you also get early access to all of our podcasts, exclusive access to happy hour segments, which we do after each podcast where we sit down, have a drink, talk shit, talk shop, any sort of thing that tickles our fancy. Um, you as, can tickle my fancy. I always tickle your fancy, buddy. Um, as well as stickers, bookmarks, and commissions done by Colin when he's not busy doing other things. But if you give us money now, I'll make sure that he actually gets it done. I yep. promise. I, I pinky swear on my mother's grave and whatever other things you people will do. You will beat him with your pinky. I've already done it. I know. <laughs> Next episode is the news where we have a pile of news well there's a lot you're of- promising is a lot and it's all good and oh my gosh it's gonna be so fun yes also a special thank you to jetpack comics and games where if uh, you are our business partners with them like we are um they probably yell at you for not showing up to their signings because that's what kyle did to me because he's a big fat bully but also, he's right. I probably should have gone. Wow. I get all of my single issues at Jetpack and a lot of my trades. Go support I your... I think you have more issues than that. It's not just Jetpack's problems that you're picking up. N- no. But that's that's most of my comic issues. Oh. Uh, go support a local comic shop because that is good. It is good to do so, and you should do it. And if you can make it Jetpack, that'd be even cooler. Jeff Bezos, man. Bad. I agree. Lex Luthor, looking ass. Yep. Wait, uh, you look at his ass? Sometimes. Hey, kids, you want some candy? <laughs> <laughs>